I'm going to go back to the series on the commands of Jesus. And I got to be honest, I came to one this morning that I wasn't real excited about and started to skip. It's in Matthew 10, 16 through 23, but I got to looking at it. I've never preached on this passage before, I guess because I didn't like it. Um, but the more I got into it this week, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're looking at it today because of its timeliness. Matthew 10, 16 through 23, the sermon is entitled, Being Christian in a Pagan World. Is there any doubt that that's the case now? That we are Christian, that the world is not. And uh, we're going to look at it today and how we as Christians are to respond in a pagan world. Matthew 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's the command. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you up, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver up brother to death, a father his child. Children will rise up, will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you'll not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Pray with me. Father, we have been so comfortable in America for so long. This passage bore little meaning. And yet now as our world becomes more pagan and even our country, not just drifting away from you, but sliding rapidly away from you. Help us bear a bold witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone, knowing that those who believe will be saved with eternal consequences. Give us boldness. Give us words. In Jesus' name, amen. How are we as Christians to behave in a pagan world? The mother of four young boys had difficulty curbing their energy, especially when they were in church. The minister preached one Sunday on turning the other cheek, and the four boys gave him their rapt attention. That afternoon, the youngest of the four came into the house crying, and between sobs, her mom said, what's wrong? And he, he said he had kicked one of his brothers who kicked him back. And the mother said, I'm sorry you're hurt, she said, but you shouldn't go around kicking people. And the youngest brother said, I know, but the preacher said he's not supposed to kick me back. If we are going to live the Christian life, there'll be times when it seems like everybody is against us. And there are times when everybody will be against us. But Jesus said that is to be expected. He said, just expect it. And I'll tell you how to behave, how to act when you go out. Because he starts out in verse 16, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. The, the word for send you out is apostello. We get the word apostle from it. It means to be separated and sent on a mission. And Jesus is originally addressing this to his 12 who were going out to begin to share the gospel. 
But every one of us is an apostle. Every one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ are also sent by Jesus into the world. So he says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? Sheep in the midst of wolves. I don't know anything more vulnerable than a sheep, anything more dangerous than a wolf. And Jesus isn't saying, you know, don't go. He's saying, go and just prepare for it. Because you know what's going to happen when sheep get into the midst of wolves. It makes us sound weak, but, but uh, Paul tells us that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So when we depend on him, when we depend on the Holy Spirit, even sheep going out into the midst of wolves, it'll be okay no matter what happens. His strength is made perfect. And basically Jesus is telling us three things in this passage. And I put it on the outline. You will be persecuted. Go anyway, and I'll be with you. You will be persecuted. Expect it. Go anyway, even in the face of persecution, and I'll be with you. Those who follow Jesus are warned of rejection and persecution and even possible martyrdom. And it's happening in our world Today And Jesus says, when you face persecution or rejection, <coughs> you should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves or innocent as doves. And so I got to thinking about that this week. I've never thought of a serpent or a snake as being that wise. You know, if we think of wisdom, what animal do we think of? Wise as a, an owl. Wise as what? A sly as a fox. Wise as an owl. You know, that's what, that's what we would say today, but let me go back and read Genesis 3, 1 to you. Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say to you, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? That's why the serpent was the one that tempted the woman in the Garden of Eden is because they were known as being subtle. The word for wise here is not the usual word for wisdom in the Greek is sophos. We get sophistry, something like that from it. It means wise. The word here for wise is phronomos. It means more prudent, thoughtful, thinking, being smart about something. And so the wisdom of snakes in Jesus' day, I guess, was proverbial. The snake was thought of as being cunning. And God wants us to develop that quality and use it for good. Be smart. When you, when you face persecution, don't incite it. Don't create it. But be smart about it. Be thoughtful about it. Use good sense when you face it. You don't have to ask for it. If, you, if you're a Christian in a pagan world, it's going to come but you don't have to beg for it. It will happen. The word for innocent or harmless here is a karyos. It means sincere, pure, innocent, unmixed motives. It means, it means to be innocent as doves. And the, and the dove today is the symbol for, is international symbol for peace. You remember when uh, Noah and the ark after 40 days, they saw a dove, it meant, it meant peace. It meant something good was going to happen. 
And, and this, this may have been a proverb that Jesus was using, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, harmless as doves. But he's saying, use wisdom when you are confronted with, with unnecessary adversaries, unnecessary conflict. And when you are, have integrity of motive. So be wise and be pure. And all of us who are apostles, who are followers of Jesus Christ have been sent and we are on mission, every one of us, not just the 12. And so he says, as you go on mission, be wise in your methods and how you do things and innocent in your motives and why you're doing things. Be wise in how, innocent in why. Wise as serpents, smart about it. And be innocent as doves. Just let your motives be pure and unmixed. And sincere, I guess is a good word there, sincere. You will be persecuted. Expect it. Be wise in your methods, sincere in your motives. And God will take care of you. He says, I will go anyway, despite the wolves. He doesn't say and go into hiding. He doesn't say, you know, stay at home. He says, go anyway, just expect what's going to happen. I, I get emails every couple of weeks from Bill Jones, my, my college roommate who was here uh, Monday Night Live, summer before last, y'all remember? We were roommates at Georgia Tech for a couple years, and now he's gone on to be president of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina, and also chairman of Crossover Communications, which is a missionary sending agency and also a church planning agency. I got an email from him this week. Woo! Um, that was forwarding an email from some missionaries in Turkey. And the missionary in Turkey was writing their supervisor. And this is what they said, Dear Chip, Joanna, and Harry, we received the following e email today. Would you please pray about this situation? We will go to church tomorrow, depending wholly on the Spirit to let us know if we shouldn't. May we be able to hear him loud and clear. Thank you, S. And here's the email. We want to let everyone know that the Ankara police visited the church to warn us about possible attacks against churches in Ankara. They have information that ISIS may have plans to make some sort of attack. There's not a specific threat against our church, but more of a general warning to all churches. We've spoken to other Ankara church leaders who've received similar information from the police. We appreciate the concern the police have in protecting us and want to make you all aware of the situation. Please be in prayer for all the churches and understand that we'll be taking extra precautions before and during the services. Please contact any of the elders if you have any further questions. And let us all remember that while we need to take what precautions we can, it is the Lord who is our shield and our protector. And then the supervisor added, you may wonder why someone in their right mind would stay with their spouse and children in such dangerous and unstable situations. Even as I write this letter, news, is, news stations are reporting of an ISIS-backed suicide bombing in Istanbul near the Blue Mosque, a tourist attraction where 10 people were killed. 
This question has many answers, but simply put, their work accomplishes eternal results. I wanted to say that Christians are being persecuted now more than ever before, but I don't think that's true. I think Christians have always been persecuted around the world. Maybe it's just a little more prevalent now, a little more violent now, and we're learning of it because of the social media that makes us immediately aware of what's going on. We had a prayer conference here in our sanctuary yesterday morning, 9 to 12. I don't know how many were here, about 100, I'm going to say 150. Would y'all estimate something like that? And Barbara Kernut, Barbara Kernut, the speaker, asked a question. She said, don't raise your hands. But she said, how many of you pray for ISIS? And I doubt, I know I, did, I couldn't raise my hand because I hadn't prayed for them. <laughs> and then she told stories of ISIS leaders, imams, and others who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ because someone has faced persecution and gone into their territory and, and told the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, I don't, I don't pray for ISIS. And I started, you know, I analyzed everything. I started thinking probably for a couple reasons. First of all, I'm afraid that if I pray for them, some of them might actually get converted. <laughs> and I hate them that badly. And I fell under conviction that God doesn't hate them. I don't want to be like Jonah who refused to go to the Ninevites because he was afraid that some of them might hear the gospel and, and repent. And the second reason I don't pray for ISIS is because I didn't really think it would do any good. And she convicted me of that too because she, she read a quote from Dawson Trotman that said, you asked for peanuts and I want to give you the world. You asked for something small and insignificant and I want to give you continents. God has so much more to give than we are willing to ask. And so I'm going to start praying for ISIS and believe that God can, can work miracles in the hearts of those people that have never heard the truth and so have no hope of responding to it. Go anyway, Jesus says. Just go and leave the results up to him. This is really a message on evangelism. This is a message on <clears throat> Jesus telling us as a church that we don't have an option. We are out of excuses when, when he tells us to go. I'm sending you out as apostles, apostello. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent or harmless, sincere as doves. Be wise in how you do it. Be sincere. Let your motives be unmixed in why you do it. Because it is dangerous. But as the missionary said, why are we still here? Because of eternal results. Eternity matters. And God loves everybody. Not just Americans. He loves Arabs. He loves Muslims. He loves ISIS and radical Al-Qaeda and fundamentalism, Islam. He loves us all. And he says, verse 19, when they deliver you, do not be anxious how, what you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. 
Can I let you in on a little secret? A lot of preachers use this verse to slack up on preparation. God, Sunday's coming, but I'm not prepared. I'm going to count on you to give me what to say in that very hour. This verse is not an excuse for poor preparation. It's not an excuse even um, for, for lack of education. The context is that of a courtroom, not a pulpit. And so when you are being persecuted, Jesus will help you defend your faith and give you what to say. So go, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, you know, when, when we send out mission teams, we do look at State Department memos. And if it's a dangerous area, you know, we're not going to go a mission trip into that area. Um, but if, if, they're, if it's safe and if, you know, we feel like we can go and be smart in our methods, we are going to go with unmixed motives. There are churches today that are declining in evangelism and declining in faith. Let me just be honest here. We're going to start faith on Tuesday night in a couple weeks. And our numbers in faith are declining. Faith is our method of, of outreach. And we need people to be involved in that. Listen to what Richard Niebuhr said about churches that decline in evangelism. He said, churches that decline in evangelism must believe that a God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the activity of a Christ without a cross. Did you hear that? A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment by the activity of a Christ without a cross. That's the only reason that you would not care about evangelism. And fear is the main reason, I guess, why we don't evangelize. We're afraid of what someone's response might be, but I tell you what, the fear of God is a great antidote to the fear of men. And rejection is not about you. It's not toward you. It's toward the gospel. It's toward Jesus. And so, go anyway, because he will be with you. Bill Bright, Campus Crusade founder, said evangelism is sharing the gospel of Christ and the power of the Spirit and leaving the results to God. Evangelism is sharing the gospel of Christ and the power of the Spirit and leaving the results to God. You hear the Trinity? The gospel of Christ, the power of the Spirit, the results to God. We are just stewards of the gospel. A good steward carries the meal from the kitchen and serves it on the table without messing up the ingredients. Just serving the meal from the kitchen to the table without messing up the ingredients along the way. And that's what we are as stewards. We are to be stewards of the gospel and serve the bread of life to a starving world without messing up the ingredients along the way. Whether or not they eat it, it's up to them. It's not up to us. But we are to be stewards and serve it. And that's what Jesus is sending us out to do. Be wise in your methods innocent in your motives. Just, just let love be your motive. Let the love of Christ and God's love for everybody be your motive. 
and go and tell and be bold and don't fear. There will be persecution. There will be rejection. Go anyway. Go anyway. Because God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. That's why he's left us here. God knows this world needs somebody to bear Christian witness. Be wise as serpents and innocents as doves. And when you do, maybe you can make a difference like this little boy in the sixth grade. I'm going to close with this story today. (laughs) I remember this time too. In sixth grade, the class was being taught how to dance. And the teacher lined up the boys along the door to choose their partners. And one girl named Mary was always chosen last. Mary was small. She had an illness that caused an arm to draw up a little bit and a leg that didn't move so well. And added to that, she wasn't very pretty or very smart either. So she was always chosen last. Well, the teacher's assistant went to Daniel's church. And one day she pulled Daniel aside and asked him the next time they had a dance, would he please choose Mary? His Sunday school teacher told him that's what Jesus would have done. And deep down inside, he knew that she was right. Daniel says all he could hope for was just to be last in line. So the next time he'd have to pick Mary by default. But when the next dance day arrived, Daniel happened to be the first in line. And he records this. All the faces of the girls turned towards me smiling. I looked for Mary and saw that she was only half turned her back toward the room in the back of the room. She knew she was going to be picked last again. The teacher said, okay, Daniel, you're first, pick a partner. And I remember feeling very far away. I heard my voice say, I pick Mary. And never has reluctant virtue been so rewarded. I can see her face undimmed by the passage of time. She lifted her head and on her face, reddened with pleasure and surprise and embarrassment all at once, was the most genuine look of delight and pride I have ever seen before or since. It was so pure, I had to look away because I knew I did not deserve it. Mary came out and took my arm as we had been instructed And she walked beside me, bad leg and all, just like a princess. Mary is my age now. I never saw her again after that year. I don't know what her life has been like or what she's doing. But I would like to think she has fond memories of at least one day in the sixth grade. I know I do. That's the difference that a Christian can make in a pagan world. Jesus came to die for the last and the least and the lonely. That's everybody. And you and I can go and love in Jesus' name that whom no one else loves, those whom no one else cares about, those who are picked last and made fun of. And laughed. And I hope children and, and teenagers are watching me right now because teenagers, this is a difficult time for people your age. 
I know it's easy to make fun of someone or if someone's new, not to welcome them or to step outside your comfort zone and, and reach out. But I beg you to do that. Because Jesus did that for you and for me when we least deserved it. So let's go out and show a pagan world the difference Jesus makes. Being Christian in a pagan world, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let's bow together. God, there are missionaries right now in dark countries, in danger, and they are there anyway. It's been easy to be a Christian in America because up until recently, America has been a Christian nation founded on Christian principles, but we seem to be drifting away from that. And secondly, we haven't even been that bold in our witness anyway. So we haven't faced much persecution here, but if America continues to drift, and if we dare to be bold, there will be persecution. And we see isolated cases popping up already around our nation, like the football coach in Villarica who dared to baptize people on the football field. Father, help us to have courage to be your apostles sent out into the world, sheep in the midst of wolves. We don't want to just incite conflict, but we don't want to run from it either. So help us be wise and innocent and true to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.